Hi, welcome back to Burst and Bloom podcast, where we interview artists from in and around the Calgary area. And today we have a podcast with Mary Hastyke, an illustration artist who has really made her mark here in Calgary. Uh, she's just recently gotten out of ACAD, but she's already had a big impact on the public art that's around Calgary. You can see her work on banners, sewer covers, uh, murals, power, um, the power covers, and a number of other things. She's also tackling book covers, which she says is one of her favorite things and she'd like to do a lot more of. We had an interesting talk. We started first in front of her mural. The first one she's done was straight painting on an outside surface. It was actually on brick, which, as you can imagine, is one of the most challenging surfaces to paint on. And it's a mural just off 17th Avenue and close to 11th Street. So we stood in front of that and did a little bit of explaining out there. So there's a bit of wind in the mic. Never mind, you'll be okay, hopefully. Then we moved inside to Cafe Bino, where we finished off our interview, another great, uh, one of the greatest coffee shops in Calgary, if you haven't been. There's a, so yeah. We, she provided a lot of really good insight into her experience as an illustrative artist and what her challenges are these days, which is a necessity to go out there and network, build her network, and do a lot more outreach. She'd rather be in her studio painting, and I can see why. Her work is stunning. It's so provocative. It has, uh, I don't know... I guess something that is somewhat euphorial to her work. It's very airy. Um, it takes you into this other fantasy world. There's so much layering to her work and a lot of intrigue. So it's even though uh, her style is easily recognizable, there is not any one thing about it that is repetitious. So where I think that Calgary and the world is going to see a lot more of Mary Hasdyke. If you haven't seen her work yet around the city, you should look up her, her website with Mary, and then you spell her last name as H-A-A-D-Y-K.com. You'll see a link on the Burst and Bloom podcast webpage as well and some images from her work. All right, I hope you enjoy today's interview with Mary. So, uh, today we're standing outside of the building, the Vine Arts, Vine Arts, on 17th Avenue and 9th Street, Southwest, in Calgary, Alberta. And we're looking at one of Mary's murals is the only the one and only right now Mary um, it's the only one I've painted okay I've done a couple murals that have been digital um, which is on 17th Ave a very busy street um, so the concept of it was sort of based on on the location of creating a sort of in-between calm moment in a really busy bustling neighborhood so Ooh. along the stretch of the wall there's a figure taking a nap in a bit of an abstract kind of dreamlike environment what um, a figure taking a nap where <laughs> over on that end you can see your head it became even more so um, so it's not really obvious right off the bat Very one cool. fun thing that kind of happened on this wall that I didn't 
anticipate ahead of time is these lights up on the top. Right. There's one just above her head over there, and it's always turned on, so it's kind of like a night light, oh. which is sort of fun. I didn't didn't plan it that way, but it just sort of happened. I love when those things yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Okay, keep keep explaining it to us, Mary. Well, the colors are meant to be kind of fun and playful, but also calm. So that theme of a quiet spot. I titled it Sunday Afternoon Nap, um, which is kind of the vibe and the feeling I was going for with this one. There's trees that are somewhat tree-like. not entirely sure if they're all recognizable as trees, but I think that's, that's kind of fun. I like to play with shape a lot in my work, kind of push shape and color and push and pull lost and found edges are really fun. I did initially, um, my proposal for this was to do the mural as a digital kind of paste on. Um, and I didn't end up doing that. They wanted it painted, which which is good. Um, but I did try to incorporate a few elements. So the leaves on the trees are done with paper. Working in a medium like this with paint on a rough wall, um, which is not, not tools I'm totally comfortable working with. So I had to very much let go of what the final product would look like um, kind of right from the get-go. I had designed it out digitally and planned it out. I had the colors and the shapes planned. Um, but very quickly I realized it wasn't going to look the way I had envisioned it. Okay. Um, so it was a bit of exploring as I went along um, how things went and how things turned out. The was part of um, the Bump Festival, which happens every summer in Calgary. Or I think this is the third year it's happened. So there were a number, I think there were 14 or 15 murals commissioned um, through the Beltline area. And there's actually one just on the opposite side here by another artist as well. And how do you choose your colors? Or how did you choose them for this one? Mm, I played around in Photoshop with color a lot. Okay. Um, generally, I don't plan things out really thoroughly. I like the process of kind of exploring as I create an image. But with this being um, different and not having the flexibility of changing colors as I went quite so easily, I tried to plan it more specifically ahead of time. So figured out my color scheme um, in Photoshop and then took my swatches to Home Depot and tried to match my, <laughs> my paint colors. Okay. Um, yeah. So is this outdoor paint or just regular acrylic? It is, yeah, it's outdoor paint. Oil? Uh, acrylic. Acrylic? I think, yeah. Okay. Outdoor house paint from yeah. Home Depot. <laughs> okay. And was it difficult to work on the brick? Like, what a surface. It was, yeah. Um, it was already painted, which I think made it a little bit easier, smoothed it out. Mm -hmm. But I had planned to do a lot more kind of gestural line work to yeah. make it look like a drawing, and that was just a challenge on the on the rough brick. So that didn't. Um, that was one spot where I kind of adjusted <laughs> as I went along. So you had to do more of these solid um, areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was something that had to change once you were here. Yeah. Compared yeah. to the original concept. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of learning while you're creating the mural. Yeah. Which is very nerve wracking when it's large and everybody can watch you do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but and it was also a lot of fun. You kind of got to know people um, in the neighborhood. The same people would sort of walk by and there was somebody working on a mural around the corner there that wasn't part of the festival but it was just really fun to kind of get a feel of the, the flow and the vibe of the neighborhood. How do you decide if you're if it's not true to your original concept completely and you have to work with the elements how did you decide it was finished? Like, where did you... I'm not sure it is finished. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Okay, Mary, so you graduated, when did, what year did you graduate from ACAD? Um, actually, that's a bit of a trick question. I graduated um, from ceramics. I did the, the fine art program in ceramics in, I think, 2012. And then after a bit of time off, went back to school and did some of the illustration and design program there, but didn't graduate from that. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that happens, right? Mm -hmm. I've been a painter forever. When I went to ACAD, I took uh, textiles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It was just something, it's like, I've spent all this time doing this. Now I want to learn, you know, something else. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it just seems, why did you go into ceramics, or why did you switch over to illustration, or was that, did you, did you think you wanted to be a ceramic artist? Um, I kind of ended up in that, um, not super intentionally, but I just, I started at Red Deer College and then transferred to ACAD to finish my degree, um, and it was at that point that I sort of discovered illustration and tried to get into that program, but that's quite difficult to do at ACAD when you're already in a different one. They're very, yeah. very separated. Yeah. Um, so I ended up just finishing what I what I had started and was, was almost finished. Um, but I think there's a lot of similarities actually between functional ceramics and illustration um, in why I enjoy both of them. They're both very practical. Um, functional in a sense things mm -hmm. so yeah I did a lot of um, bowls and I made a lot of sugar spoons when I was in ceramics which was really fun <laughs> okay so you moved into illustration finally you got to do that but most of the learning from what I understand is been outside of the classroom is that true like would you say that you did a lot of learning on your own or yeah, definitely. Um, I think the main reason I went back to school, in my mind, I thought the only thing I needed to learn to be able to be an illustrator was Photoshop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know how to draw, um, but I got there and in the first few classes realized there was a lot more to it than just um, learning the digital tools and knowing how to draw. Yeah. Um, and since school as well, I think every job I get, every project, I've been learning something new as I go. Um, I've taken a couple more um, online courses and workshops in school as well, which has been really fun, fun way to keep learning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that continual learning is, is so key to keeping our interests going and sparking new methods. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. uh, so illustration, what do you like about it? Well, I love to draw, so I get to draw. I, th I look at illustration as kind of the sweet spot between fine art and graphic design, in a sense. Um, it's still very creative. You can paint and, and draw and have a lot of fun that way, but it's also practical. Um, there's a use for it. People look for illustrators, so in that sense, I think it's easier to find, find work as an illustrator than as a fine artist. I think you have to kind of create those opportunities yourself a little bit more. Um, I like the problem-solving aspect of illustration. Each job is for a very specific purpose and there's certain things it needs to do, but you can get as creative as you want within those boundaries to solve that problem, which is a challenge I really enjoy. Do you have to hustle a lot to get work? Uh, I haven't up until the last uh, few months. This year, work has been a lot slower and I've kind of realized I need to figure out figure out the business side of it a little bit more okay. um, and have been been hustling I guess yeah yeah, yeah. yeah what does yeah. that involve for an illustrator a lot of a lot of research trying to figure that out I think right now 
When I finished school, or as I finished school, I was lucky enough to get onto a roster with the City of Calgary to do public art. Okay. And so that opened up doors and I think led to other jobs without me having to really do a lot of work at that point. That's um, nice. It was, yeah. But that stopped happening and it kind of made me realize, oh, I don't really know how to find work necessarily. So I've spent a lot of time this year um, working on the business side of it, which isn't the fun part, but it's, it's a very... Um, very necessary part mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and now so how how are your skills in that <laughs> they're better than they were a year ago okay um, I still feel like I have a lot to learn there as well um, but yeah that's the part that you know we don't really want to think about as mm -hmm. artists mm -hmm. right how are we going to actually get our stuff out there who yeah. wants it all that business stuff that mm -hmm. when you go into business training they make you think right away first of all before you even make the product right mm -hmm. who wants it where are you gonna distribute it mm -hmm. how are you gonna market it yeah. what's your angle all this stuff all of a sudden you have to think about all of that as an artist and yeah we don't get training for that kind of stuff generally yeah I think also in theory I know what I'm supposed to do you know the steps but to break it down into actual practical manageable little steps to get there is a challenge I've been using a couple books that talk about that. That's yeah, um, Alex Alex Mather's book. I think it's called Joining the Dots. But then there's another one that's more illustration specific. I can't remember what it's called. But he talks about um, just having a really intentional network of people that you stay connected with. Not only people who are potential clients, but also um, anyone who's kind of connected to you and what you do in any way and maintaining those connections and having a list he says of no more than 150 people that's a lot of people it is yeah um but more than that apparently i don't know that's some magic number like don't go over that you can't maintain connections but but being really intentional about staying in touch with those people and they have to all be people that you've already established connection with not just people that you want to work for and have emailed but they've never responded people who actually know okay who 150 are. would drive me bonkers <laughs> i think i'd go insane i'd We'd say 40 tops. yeah yeah okay um, but it's from a, a freelance perspective of yeah. finding clients. So often okay. illustrators will have long mailing lists of art directors to connect with. But just the, the importance of um, taking stock of connections you've already made. So I was trying to think through that and realize there's a lot of people that I've connected with once or twice about potential work or met here who are doing something similar but haven't stayed in touch with. Um, and he was saying, he used the example of sales of how many times you follow up before a sale is, is successful. And it's a lot more than most people actually do. And um, following up more, a little more often than it actually feels comfortable is what he, he suggested. Okay. And not only connecting with them, but also using them as a source for further connection. So asking, is there anyone you know, like up for a lead for a potential job? Um, which isn't something that feels very comfortable either, right? but is an interesting strategy. And Yeah, I've realized there are a lot of connections and just taking stock of, of the people that I have been in touch with already, I think there's more network that we have than we necessarily mm -hmm. um, kind of outline a process to help you, help you do that and follow the steps to get there. Right, and the time management, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, when do you do that? How much time do you give it? When do you do your other work? When are you doing online courses? You know, 
that, that juggle. Yeah. I think ideally when I'm on top of things um, and I have a good balance of life and I'm using my time well or balance of work, I try to have one day a week that I just sort of focus on the business side, staying up with the communication and the connection and, and sending out regular promotional type of things. Um, otherwise, it's, I just don't get to it until I, I need work, and then that's not really the time to deal with it. <laughs> right. So you're going to try and, or you, you commit one day a week? Yeah, yeah. And do you do that from home, or where do you I like do, to work? I yeah. do, yeah. Yeah, I work from home. I have a studio space at home, which is really nice. I love the flexibility of working from home and structuring my own time. Mm -hmm. So your studio to create and your business space are all in one? Yes. Okay, how's that? Because <laughs> I do that right now too. I don't like it. I always did it differently. I kept my studio separate from my, my um, business space because they feel very different. I'm wearing different hats. Yeah, yeah. And I have to approach the space differently. I had never thought of that. That's interesting, actually. Yeah. I'm not sure I could do that because I use my computer very much for both of those things. And I, so that's the hard part. Yeah. Is the computer part, right? But somehow creating maybe a divider even or something mm -hmm. that's like this is when I'm. If you have enough room, though, yeah. even right? Yeah. Are you using the same table? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it's not impossible, but. Uh, it all depends on how you work. How do you work, Mary? How do you create your wonderful creations of, of art? What's, what's the first step, I guess? How do you approach, if you say, if some client says, okay, I need a, what, what would be a regular job for you? Which is, what, is, what kind of work do you do often? Um, well, I do a lot of jobs for stories or little editorial uh, magazine articles. Okay. So the first step would be to, to read the story, which is a fun part to do. Okay, <laughs> I've, okay. I've done a number over the last year that have been kind of short story fantasy genre, which is just a lot of fun. Um, I have quite a rigorous ideation process that I work through or try to follow before I get to the drawing part of it. Okay. Um, just explore the themes and the words and the ideas and try to take them further than where I where my brain first goes, take okay. them a little bit further, and then from there move into thumbnailing and, and visual images. Um, so that first step is like a day or an hour or ten minutes? Like, what do you mean by take it further than where your brain normally um, like How do you do that? Probably not a full day unless I'm having trouble finding, finding ideas. Um, but I set aside a certain amount of time and a certain amount of paper probably to fill up with ideas and words. Um, to get to solutions that I, I think are interesting. So writing notes. Yeah, yeah. Word Critical lists. thinking. And then word lists from your word lists. I oh. did um, an online course about ideation a couple years ago that Sterling Hundley, who's an illustrator, put together. And I don't think I follow it quite as thoroughly as that, but that's sort of the framework I work from. Oh. Um, the steps I follow. Interesting. Yeah, like I was working last night, I'm trying to um, apply for this um, painting um, opportunity and 
I noticed how much distraction I have in my life mm. when I cut it out. Hmm. And I actually like don't have the radio on or don't have music on or I don't have something going on that I do at the same time. Do have you noticed that in that process? Like do you need a certain space in order to do that? I what did you call ideation? Ideation. Ideation. <laughs> I've never used that word. I love it. Um, yes, I think I usually have to log out of Facebook on my computer, yeah. otherwise I find myself getting distracted there, for okay. sure. Okay. When I'm having a lot of trouble being productive, I'll, I'll set a timer on my phone um, for a certain period of time for that small task, and that usually helps me focus a little bit better and actually be efficient with my time. Right. Yeah. 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 The 20-20-30, have you ever used that? No. What is that? So that's what I do when I need to focus too. I'll say, okay, 20 minutes, I can't do anything but this one activity. It could be read my emails. I mean, it, it could be draw this. It's just that 20 minutes okay. for this thing. And then you can take a 10-minute break, do whatever. If you want to look on social media or you want to get up and make coffee. Mm -hmm. And then 20 minutes again for the next. could be the same or something different. And then a 10-minute break again and then 30 minutes. Okay. So you can't take a break every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of that same idea yeah. of setting the timer. Yeah. Giving yourself a small increments of time. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. as soon as you get stuck, you want to get up and change the scene, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of want to like, oh, I need a coffee. No, well, you've got 15 minutes before you can get up. So, so do you work with that structure most of the time when you're... I wish I did because I get a lot done. Sometimes I just remember it. Other times I think I don't need it and I just start get to work. But I'm not as focused as when I do the that timer. Mm -hmm. Set the timer. Mm -hmm. uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah. Timers are good. Prizes are good too. Give myself a reward for doing something. Right. Yeah. Like. Uh, a friend told me that she, when she does time management, she rewards herself with being able to watch an episode, like one of, one of her favorite TV shows. I'm like, you mean you don't watch 10 at once? <laughs> She's like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> so she like, one is the reward. I'm like, oh, so don't watch it before you get the work done. Okay, okay. I like learning all these things. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, so once you push your brain a little bit with words, more reading and words, then is that when you start doing some sketching? Yeah, from there I usually move to just doing a whole bunch of little small thumbnail sketches. Mm -hmm. um, I'll fill a, fill a page or two, just very scribbly getting ideas down that I'll slowly refine until I have a couple that I'm really happy with that I'll develop up to... to um, legible sketches that I can show show the client. Okay, and that once you get up to that sketches that you're happy with, that's when you show the client and they say yes or no? Yeah, you usually give them several options, so I'll try and have three different concepts, three or four different oh. sketches, and then they, they choose the direction that you want. Are they all closely related? Sometimes, sometimes if I have an idea that I really like and want them to pick, then I'll try and do a couple versions of the same one and work that one up, you know, 
subtly yeah. a little bit more to try and make it look better. Right. Um, it usually doesn't work. No? <laughs> no. So many times the client chooses the option that I, I would not have chosen. But oh, really? Okay. So I have to make sure they're all ones that I actually am happy to do if, if they're chosen. So That's <laughs> totally different about that and, and artwork mm. in that case, mm -hmm. right? Because I have done commissions and if they try and tell, like I've couple times I've let them influence the painting because they were like, no, I want lots of red. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. And I put red in it. In the end, they're like, oh yeah, I like it, but you know, Too if you would have just let me do what I think is best for this painting that you want, you would be much happier than trying to tell me how to paint it. Mm -hmm. Because you would just paint it. So do you ever feel that way? Like when the client like gets frustrated with what they're asking you to do or? Sometimes, but I think that's also part of the the fun challenge of illustration is trying to, trying to make myself happy with the work I do, doing work that I'm proud of, that that is also what they're asking for. So trying to meet both those things is, is kind of part of the problem solving of it, I think. And usually it's an art director who has an experienced eye and knows okay. what they're talking about. Okay. So I can, can trust their judgment when they do give input. I think a good art director though gives less less input and has less control. Exactly. Sometimes people are very controlling and specific about they, what they want. Um, right. It's nice to have enough freedom to be able to, to make decisions and feel like they trust you as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's nice. You're not getting some amateur kind of going, mm -hmm. well, Mary, I'm not sure if I like the way you do your people. Yeah. You don't get that. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah? Sometimes there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to just work with it? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. One illustrator who is also an instructor, he said one time that he tells his students to make a list of 100 things that they like to draw and every project that they do to incorporate some of that into it. Um, to, to try and turn those projects into ones that you can enjoy. And I think if you're drawing something you like, subject matter-wise or otherwise, then it just ends up more successfully if you're enjoying it, because you're more invested in it. So that's one way to, to create projects that you're more interested and in. And that, I think that would lend to creating a, a look about your work, like if you have a hundred things that you like to draw and you're including, you know, from that Mining for little nuggets of gold, that's how I feel when I'm talking to artists, getting to ask them about their life and their work and their challenges. I'm just touching the surface, of course, and all that they probably could share with me and also in connecting with artists here in Calgary. The list feels bottomless. There are so many wonderful artists I could and would love to connect with if I had more time. Maybe I should quit my job and live in a small box and just go out there and dedicate my life to podcasting. All these things run through my mind. The amount of things that I could dedicate myself to if I didn't have to make money. <laughs> okay. Um... Well, here I am talking to artists who are dedicating their life to their work and they are finding ways to make money. It is possible. You just have to find your focus and stay true to that. 
and die by the stake of it, I guess. I hope you enjoyed this conversation I had with Mary. I really did. Please stay tuned with Birth and Bloom Podcast. Get out your palette and go birth and bloom, baby. I know you